everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Luck. I'm along with my co-worker Jordan Bianchi. We write for The Athletic, and we have been doing this post-race podcast about virtual fake races all this time, the last couple months. And this is the last one. This is the last time we're doing that because next week is a return to actual real-life NASCAR racing. Looking forward to that. But first, we will talk about this final uh, race, uh, the iRacing um, Pro Invitational Series, one more time. And uh, it's good to bring in Jordan Bianchi for this one because Jordan was actually out there the day that they scanned the track on a cold day. I think you were like sick for like a month afterward or something, right? Is this, is this is <laughs> yeah, that how that went? Yeah, I was. It was cold. It was wet, and I was sick for yeah. It was like a good a good month. Um, yeah. I think I gave it to my mom too. So there we oh, go. Great job, great job. What a great son. Happy Mother's Day back then. Exactly. Um. So, but yeah. So you were there, and you you saw the the track how it is now, and you saw them trying to clear it off and all that stuff, and then you saw this Pro Invitational Series race um, on TV. What did you think of the difference and all that they did? Like, what was your impressions of it? Because I'm sure you have a unique perspective on it. I, I was absolutely blown away, and I've you know I've watched every I race so far, uh, this Pro Series race, and to me this was the one that captured my attention more. Not because of the racing, just because of everything around it. I was just I was fascinated by the signage, the little the little touches that they did. The you know Steve Myers and the I racing crew did. And I was just I was just taken back because I kept looking at, at everything at that track and it looked so fresh and new and it looked like you stepped into a time machine and I kept thinking back to in December when I was at North Wilkesboro and the place is just I don't know a, a dump I mean I hate to say it but it really is it's it's just there's weeds our buildings are falling apart um, the track is in, in shambles and it's going to be torn down, you know, sooner rather than later. You think looking at it, cause the place is just, it's falling apart everywhere and seeing what they did, the iRacing crew did to North Wilkesboro and taking it and restoring it virtually to what it once was and what it will always be remembered as was incredible to me. And I couldn't get over that. And I was just so impressed by what they did in really a short amount of time to, take what is a cherished nascar track and to give it a a, a legacy or a way for it to have a legacy for future generations to me is just it was incredible it's really impressive that's really cool and obviously you did a big story on the athletic back then at the time we also talked about it on one of our off-season podcasts um you know what you had shadowed dale jr and, and all that stuff through that whole experience um man i i wish i could see it for myself i've actually never gotten to see you know, except for driving by the outside of the track, um, never got to go inside or anything like that. So, but, uh, so this to me was sort of like, um, the freshest, newest thing of how, how it used to be, because even when you watch older, um, you know, older replays and older highlights and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not that the footage is terrible. It's not like it's in black and white or something, but it's just, it's just different. And, and the way that, iRacing was able to preserve it it's almost like it's clearer than the older you know it, it looks it looks yeah, yeah. more modern and, and up to date and new than watching some of those 80s races or something like that so um that was really cool i and i agree with you like on the signage like they they were able to take like the old winston cup signs and put like nascar cup series like in the same style but you know mm -hmm. update the signs same and, coloring and yeah 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 so that that was really creative and obviously 
Um, it hasn't been that long, like you said, since you were all out there. So um, that was cool. And uh, as far as the racing, um, it seemed like the drivers were into it, at least on the broadcasts. Um, now, yeah, of course, it makes you wish that they could somehow still race there. But as, as you've documented and we've discussed before, it's just not it's not possible. Um, you know, that track, as you've said, is, is in shambles. So it's, it's just not possible, but it, it would, it would be nice. Obviously, you know, looking back now, um, you could say it was one of NASCAR's bigger mistakes ever, but you know, as, as they were trying to go for a more national sport, you can understand why that would, that one would have to go. Um, you know, especially at the time, you know, do you, if you look back now, like if they had kept that track, um, you know, would there have been a place for it today? Like if they had been able to maintain it, you know, sort of bridge it into this generation, um, you know, is, is it possible that it would still be on the schedule or, is it, or was it always fated to disappear? I think there's a way. I, I look at Martinsville as kind of a, a, a sister track to North Wilkesboro in the, in the sense it's a small town. It's a short track. It, it needed work. In North Wilkesboro, it needed a lot of work, people say, you know, back then. And it was evident that they needed somebody to come in and willing to spend a lot of money and needed a lot of infrastructure around the track, roads, that kind of thing. So it was it going to be a challenge? Yes. Was it going to cost? It was it going to be expensive? Yes. Could have been done? I think it could have been because I think you look at Martinsville as a blueprint of what a racetrack like that, that goes back to the, you know, early 50s, NASCAR's origins and how it was able to it go, you know, progress forward into NASCAR's modern, modern era. Um, yeah, I, I think there, there is a way for North Wilkesboro to happen. And, you know, people love short tracks. They, they love the old school racing. So if there's somebody who's willing to spend the money and make it happen, I think there was a way to do it. But at that time, the idea was you needed these mile and a half intermediate racetracks that could have both the NASCAR Cup Series and IndyCar races, and you know, and bring in you know a hundred thousand people, and that unfortunately was what happened. And we saw that you know these these tracks sprout up throughout the country. And to me, you know, this isn't a new equi- uh, a new comparison, but it's, it's it's I think it's very appropriate as you look at baseball stadiums in the '60s and '70s. You know, there are these donut-shaped baseball stadiums that popped up throughout the country, and they were viewed as these great palaces because they could have both baseball games and football games. But the reality is they weren't good for either sport. They, they had terrible sight lines for baseball, and for football they had no atmosphere, and they were, you know, concrete, just these masses that just had no character. You know, they didn't they weren't like Wrigley Field or Fenway Park or any of these classic stadiums. And eventually NASCAR – or Jeez. Eventually, Major League Baseball grew out of that, and we saw kind of a, a revert back to what baseball parks should look like. And, you know, the, the hope is that someday NASCAR can kind of go in that direction again and that there's a, a time in, in this sport when there's new tracks being built that are harking back to North Wilkesboro or Martinsville or even Nashville. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate. It's, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, hindsight being 2020, you, you wish you could go back and change it. But, there's nothing you can do now, but I think that's the beauty of this iRacing is that there is a way for future generations to kind of appreciate, to learn and appreciate what North Wilkesboro was all about. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, my first race ever that I attended or covered was Rockingham 2004, the final Rockingham race ever. And, you know, at, at the time, I mean, the conversation even around that was, well, it's too bad, uh, essentially, but they don't draw the crowds. Even then, you know, when crowds were still huge at 04, 05, that, that, those times, 
Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a sold out race the week after Daytona 500. And, you know, they thought, well, you know, this gives us an opportunity to, you know, get to other places around the country. And so the same thinking was a, was used in, a, in saying, well, let's take one of Darlington's races away, you know, within the next couple of years after that, when they had to. So, you know, there all the, all the talk at the time, there wasn't really this huge um, nostalgia push. It was more of like this growth push. And of course, North Wilkesboro preceded even that. I mean, in the mid nineties to, to disappear from the schedule. So, you know, it's, it's easy to look back now and wish that you had all that. But I can tell you, even at the time, it just seemed like everybody was just like, man, NASCAR is exploding. We need to serve the demand. Let's build these mega tracks. Let's get all over the country. Let's get to every, every pocket we can. And obviously that was part of a, a greater bubble that, uh, burst. And so of course, like I said, now now people wish, oh, geez, maybe we shouldn't have done that. But at the time, I think everybody was sort of blinded by that that whole thing. So anyway, um, yeah, Denny Hamlin wins the uh, first iRace and the last iRace on the Pro Invitational Series. Timmy Hill wins the series, even though they didn't acknowledge that on the broadcast. And they just said, oh, it's just an invitational. But people that had been keeping points the entire time, uh, he did win the series. He got another top three finish today. And it also helped that William Byron, who was second in points, uh, didn't run today at all. None of the Hendrick drivers did. Um, none of the Penske drivers did. No Ganassi drivers. So, um, but, you know, Timmy Hill still would have won with his finish uh, today, even if Byron had won. So, you know, nice little thing for Timmy Hill, don't you think, to get that, that little bit of recognition, even though it's not, you know, formally acknowledged? Yeah, I think if he had, a, you know, if anybody won this iRacing Pro Series in, in the sense of, you know, attention and everything. I think it was Timmy Hill. I mean, we, we covered him quite extensively on, on at the athletic. Um, people really didn't know much about Timmy Hill before this. And I think after coming out of this, people know his name, they recognize him and whether that has any carryover to the real world or not, we'll see. Um, it'll be interesting to see if maybe he can get some sponsorship out of this and maybe parlay himself into a, a bigger ride. But I think this allowed a great showcase for him, Garrett Smithley, and some of these other guys. We 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 are familiar with their names, but we really don't know them. So I think in the in the sense that what the iRacing Pro Series was supposed to it was was set out to accomplish, I think it achieved its goals. It, it it serves as a nice substitute during a downtime in sports. It shined the light on some guys who don't necessarily you know are used to that spotlight. And as we saw with Denny Hamlin and William Byron, we had some big names do well as well you know, in these races. So I think the series overall was a success. Well, it'll be interesting to look back on the legacy someday uh, when we have more distance from all this because, you know, obviously a few weeks ago I was ready for it to be over with. And now, especially that there's real racing coming back, um, I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, I, I do think that there there will be some positives, like you mentioned with Timmy Hill. Uh, Landon Castle really... Um, mm-hmm. showed that, you know, he went from an out-of-work driver to, hey, let me let me capitalize on this Blue Emu thing. He really sort of um, carried the torch more than anybody as far as the sponsorship element of it, had people doing social media for him, you know, pulling clips. Um, you had, you know, Garrett Smithley on his Twitch, all this stuff. So those guys, I mean, they were able to, to take advantage of it. But obviously for people like Bubba Wallace, who, um, you know, had Blue Emu for one race and then was virtually fired, um, and then obviously the Larson thing uh, potentially ends his NASCAR career because of all this uh, iRacing stuff. Well, not because of the iRacing stuff, because of his terrible word uh, that he issued, but that 
that went out on the iRacing thing. We, we, it came to light because of that, I guess. Um, so it's going to be interesting, interesting legacy. Uh, obviously politics got involved and there was different things, uh, allowing people in the races and, and all that stuff. But I think overall, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it was there for, um, a distraction. I'm also glad that, uh, it had a run and now we're move, being able to move on. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it'll be interesting to see ultimately how it's, obviously it'd be a great success for iRacing. Now people are even, you know, for North Wilkesboro, even in particular, I mean, people are going to be clamoring to race on there. I still want to race on there someday. Not now. Uh, I just don't have the time or resources at the moment, but, um, yeah, I think, I think it'll, you know, iRacing will definitely be around for years to come, but I also think this sort of set it up as, Hey, you know, when we started this whole thing, like, Jordan were watching it and we're like man this could I wonder if this will replace people were talking this will this could replace real racing someday this will be the future I don't think that's the case anymore like I think that sort of has been answered and that people race differently and the the way that you race without consequences um it's just it's it's not the same and 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 this made sort of the hunger for real racing um sort of I don't know shine more I guess I would agree with that. I think that there is there's a place for iRacing. It's a nice complement to what real racing is, and I still say that you know you compare it to other esports, um, iRacing is, is head and shoulders above those, and it's not even close because what you can do in iRacing is, is so similar to real life, but there is still a component of real life that just can't be replicated, and I do think it makes you appreciate what real life racing is. And I, I do think that this is a nice complement though going forward, and this is a way. This is still an avenue. For people to get into racing that maybe aren't interested in it, that are interested in gaming, or are interested in racing and don't have the means and the resources to go out and, and buy real cars and you know the equipment, everything that takes. So, I, I do think NASCAR did a really good job out of the situation. It was tough. There were some things along the way that that happened that you look at and you're like, eh, oh boy, I wish that didn't happen. But I think in the end, I, I do think that there's a lot to be proud of for everybody that was involved in this. And I was listening to. Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s Twitch uh, during the race today, and he was talking about how when Jeff Gordon called him, and we wrote about this on The Athletic, the backstory of how this idea for this Pro Series came together, and Gordon called Earnhardt and, and pitched this idea of you know getting a bunch of, of race car drivers together and having these races every Sunday, and, and Earnhardt was saying that he couldn't believe you know that this actually came into fruition and that this became as big a deal as it was, and, and he's right, and he's got something to be proud of, and he and Jeff and Steve Myers at iRacing and nascar and fox you know this was a this was a this was a thing that came together kind of at the, the last minute and i think overall i think everyone did a good job but it does make you appreciate at the end of the day what real racing is and we are going to have real racing and on the nascar side of things starting next sunday at darlington yep well there was already actually some real racing this weekend and it happened with the world of outlaws um i watched the race i think you did as well Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a, a clunky start. There was some guys making mistakes after a long layoff. They hadn't raced since February uh, through the heat races and things like that. Um, but we saw a really good uh, main event, especially the second half of the main event. Uh, yeah. Ian Madsen and David Gravel were really going at it. Uh, it looked like David Gravel was going to get Ian Madsen um, several times, and then he was able to hold him off. And it's like, oh, I guess, I guess he's going to pull away now. And then... Gravel comes back, uh, coming to the white flag, it passes him for the win. So um, he, he shines at Knoxville once again. Um, it was really weird seeing like how they did it, you know, with like mm-hmm. the uh, the drivers walking up to microphone stands 
and the reporter standing like way far away uh, to the empty grandstands, obviously with no fans there. Um, obviously a little bit of a taste a preview of what we're going to see with NASCAR coming up, but what were your impressions of the uh, world of outlaws race? I thought the racing was great. It was, it was great to see real racing again. David Gravel continues to impress me. Um, it'd be interesting to see, I know he had NASCAR, he had some plans this year to kind of, you know, start doing some NASCAR racing on a part-time basis. And, and that's his dream and, and good for him for pursuing that. But it does feel like if he stayed with the world of outlaws full time, it, it does feel like he's kind of, positioned himself where he can you know be that next breakout star next champion kind of like we saw brad sweet you know it took brad a few years to get that first title but now you feel like brad's going to be a perennial contender and i kind of feel like that with david and then overall i just you know like you that jumped out to me there was no fans you know the victory lane celebration to me i think was the one that really hit home is gets out of the car and you're used to seeing you know the crew members surrounding them and excitement and the fans cheering and you didn't have that, and that was just that was the moment where I really went, "Oh wow, yeah, okay." Uh, there are no fans here, but at the end of the day, I, I think the people who watched it were were happy with what they saw because the racing, you know, wasn't any different. Um, there was no, you know, the guys were a little rusty and they, had, you know, knock off the rust a little bit. But at the end of the day, it, it was exciting. It was it was entertaining, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how NASCAR adapts when they come back and you know, and Sunday at Darlington. You know, they're going to hop in the race car. No practice, no qualifying. They're just going to hop in and go. Um, what kind of rust are they going to have? Yeah, no, it's going to be super interesting, I think. Um, and it was also interesting to see Casey Kane um, come back. Speaking of rust, I mean, he'd been injured 13 months ago in a, a sprint car um, in March, last March. And uh, he was able to come back, and uh, he, he didn't make the feature. But, um, you know, I thought it was a solid debut at least uh for him to you know come down and, and have a solid run no incidents or anything like that that was good for him uh kyle larson was interesting to me because he raced and you know after this whole thing where he you know lost everything it seemed like um to to think that he would be racing again before nascar even returned um that that's just another one of those weird twists but um you know he he got a top 10 last night uh coming from 18th or something like that so now he can at least say that uh, for his, you know, comeback, it's going to be a long comeback to rehab his image and all that stuff. But he's already raced. It's there's no, you know, he he doesn't have to worry about the first getting that first race thing out of the way with the spotlight. He's already had that. Now there'll still be first media interview, first things like that, uh, first win since this happened, you know, all that. But um, at least the getting in the car, the act of doing that. He's already sort of checked that off, and he didn't even have to do it with any fans and media in attendance. So, I'm sure that was perfect for him in his mind. Um, I, and I also thought the World of Outlaws with with Dirt Vision. I mean, they did a really good job. They had Johnny Gibson, yes. who has been at every single World of Outlaws race since 1995. He said um, he was in a studio in Charlotte, not in Iowa, uh, with Kevin Swindell, and he called that. I mean, he called that race. Really, I mean, expertly. I mean, they, they had a couple technical glitches here and there, but it was, I, I was super impressed. And, you know, uh, Tony Bachoven was uh, up in the, um, you know, the press box at, at Knoxville, and they were like going back and forth, but there really wasn't too much of a delay. It was, I thought it was really, really well done. I agree. From a production standpoint, it was a home run. I mean, it had a, you know, a couple small technical things that happens. I mean, it's just, that's nothing you can do about it. Great job. Um, considering the circumstances and, you know, having guys remotely, I, I, there's no way you would have been able to know. 
Um, I, I was just impressed. I thought they did a really good job, and I think you mentioned it a little bit. Is this is what it's going to be like going forward? I mean, for sports in general, not just motorsports, but you know, NASCAR comes back next week. The you know Jeff uh, Jeff Gordon, Mike Joy, they're not going to be at the racetrack. They're going to be in the studio, and it's going to be a different broadcast in some respects. But I think mostly it's going to there's going to look largely the same, and it's going to be different, but mostly the same. And I think it's going to be take a little bit to get used to, uh, just because there's going to be those little subtle differences, but it was it was interesting last night just seeing how everything came together and what they did and, and the changes that they had to make. Well, let's talk more about Darlington in a minute, but first we need to bring you a word from this week's podcast sponsor. So if you're bored in the house, um, bored, 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 why not spend some time on yourself, Jordan? Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving, thanks to their Lawn Mower 3.0. Have you heard of this, Jordan? I have not. Please tell me more. Okay, I will. I, you believe me, I will. Uh, Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their per- Perfect Package 3.0. It's precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That rhymes. Did you notice that? Uh, very very I well didn't, done. I didn't make that up, actually. That's just something no. that is already existing. And I, I just read it. I just read it. But uh, I'm sure you can relate because um, this third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. That would be terrible. Like, that, that would be painful, yeah. That would be a worst-case scenario. Shaving is about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. So get 20% off and free shipping. You could use this, Jordan, yourself, with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC, all one word. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. They get the Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing, that's important, also. That's painful, too. Yep. The Manscaped Boxer Briefs. That seems like Mm. something all of us could use. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. So anyway, Jordan, when it comes to Darlington, um, you know, you mentioned TV's not going to be there. You know, just full transparency here, NASCAR hasn't said uh, what the plan is for media uh, still a week out. They have not publicly announced um, what they're doing as far as reporters. So we can't tell you at this time, one week out, whether uh, we will be coming to you from the track. Obviously, both of us wouldn't be doing it, if, if anything, in these circumstances. If any, if anything, one of us would be there, but we we don't know. We don't know. So... Um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously be updating, um, you guys all week on, on things like that little details as, as this whole thing comes together. We've already talked about uh, a lot of what Darlington will look like. We, we expect, um, but now we can actually talk about the actual racing element of it a little bit, you know, where we last left off, um, Phoenix, you know, the, the short track package had just debuted. Now they're going back to the normal, um, low uh, down, low, low horsepower, um, high downforce package, which, you know, might make things a little bit hard to pass at Darlington once they get spread out. Um, you know, obviously in those package earlier this year, Jordan, we saw that, um, Hendrick on the intermediate tracks, um, Mm -hmm. has seemed to improve. JGR has struggled. What are you expecting to see? Has anything changed? Has everything been frozen? What do you, what are you expecting? That's a good question, and I and I talked to Joey Logano's crew chief 
Paul Wolf this week. Talked to Joy Logano as well, and you can look for a story on that this week on The Athletic and kind of ask them about that. You know, they won two of the first four races. They look good. You know, is, is there such a thing as being able to carry over what you did and the success you had the first, you know, month of the season after a seven-week hiatus? And, they, you know, they, they think there is, and they also know that this, this past seven weeks, teams have been working really hard. While the shops may have been closed and you may have been limited on what you can do, Crew chiefs and engineers were doing their homework. They were putting in a lot of effort, and there is not a guarantee that the teams that were strong the first month of the season are going to necessarily be strong at, at at Darlington. And I did think Paul had you know an interesting thing to say. He goes, after a while, I, I just you know I kind of hit my limit. There's only so much you can review and you know an analysis you can do, and at some point I just could you know enough's enough. So. I don't know what to expect at Darlington. I think the fact that there's no qualifying, there's no practice is going to be interesting. I think it's going to reward the drivers and teams who have done their homework over this, this past you know, six, seven weeks in the simulator and in the simulations and in working with the engineers and trying different ideas. And the teams and the drivers who, who either haven't done their homework or didn't go in the right direction are going to be, are going to suffer. And I think it's going to put an onus on a driver's ability to manage a car that isn't handling, it isn't driving to the way they want it. And, and Paul Wolf touched on this. He goes, I have a driver in Joey Logano who, if the car isn't doing what he wants, does a really good job of maximizing it and getting everything he can out of it still and knowing how to wrangle speed out of that. And I think that's going to be important, especially in the first early runs. You know, we're going to have a competition caution probably, what, lap 35, I think, probably somewhere in there. So the drivers and teams that can manage that those first 30 laps with a car that really is kind of blindly set up are, are going to be do the best. And I think that's something to keep an eye on is those guys who can just get through these circumstances of not having the, the normal race weekend but having to rely on past races, simulator time, and, and their ability. Yeah, that's all really good analysis and really good insight. Um, I'm wondering you know, how much we'll be able to really take from the first Darlington race, because I think, you know, the, the rust factors we talked about earlier, you know, that could play a little bit of a part mistakes. Um, you know, whether it's drivers or pit crew guys or, or whatever, um, you know, I, I don't know, you know, everybody's not, not in the flow of things right now. Um, so we'll just, we'll just see like, you know, how, we'll have another Darlington race a few days later to see how much, I guess it really, uh, you know, like sort of to prove the results of the first one, that, that'll be interesting in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I just, it's, it's tough to say how it's going to go. Um, I do expect the Hendrick cars to sort of continue how they've been. I think if JGR picks up any sort of speed, that would be an accomplishment. Um, although they, they've, they've been good there. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I'm sure as, as Paul Wolf said, you know, it's, Nobody was really standing still, but there's only so much you can do. So we'll just, we'll see. Um, do you think that most of them will use uh, the cars they had for Atlanta and just roll those out for the Darlington races? Or do you think that they, you know, because Homestead was supposed to be next. So I assume they had their Homestead cars pretty much ready too. Like, will they try to use the Homestead cars for the Charlotte races? Or do you think they'll use the Atlanta cars for the Char- for the uh, Darlington races or what? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, you know, from the people I've spoken to, it sounds like Atlanta is more transferable to Darlington because Atlanta is a really bumpy, rough, you know, track. You know, handling's at a premium there. Similar to Darlington in that respect, you know, a homestead is, is a little bit different. So 
from the people I've spoken to, it sounds like they're going to have their Atlanta cars kind of geared up for Darlington, and then they've got backup cars ready for the second Darlington, and then Homestead, Charlotte, will you'll see Homestead cars. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. You know, there's going to be different approaches, and I, obviously the bigger teams are going to be at a little bit of an advantage here compared to the smaller teams that have to turn over their equipment sooner. And like you said, it's going to be interesting to see the racing Sunday versus the racing Wednesday. What changes, who improves, who, you know, who, who, who slides back? Because that is going to be something to pay attention to. Is what did you learn Sunday that you can apply on Wednesday? Right, right, yeah. And it's an interesting point about the backup cars too. I mean, you don't need uh, a backup car at all because there's no mm-hmm. practice and no qualifying. So um, there's no scenario really where you would, you would need an extra car. So all, all those Atlanta backup cars, they can just be wheeled out uh, in theory if you needed them. Um, for the next race that Wednesday. So, um, by the way, I'm sure you might be wondering the listeners of the teardown who listen after each race, obviously this is, uh, something we prioritize that night normally after these races. And so we are planning as of now, if you guys are up for it to have, um, a post-race podcast after each of these races, whether it's Sunday, Wednesday, whatever, even if it's late at night, um, we plan on, on doing this. Um, if you guys are interested in listening, um, hopefully that'll be something that, that piques your interest. We'll try to break down each race, even if it's twice a week now instead of once. Um, so let us know. Let us hear your feedback because if nobody's going to listen to uh, the Wednesday ones or something like that or twice a week, then uh, we don't want to do them for nobody. But uh, we assume that you guys will be interested in uh, some some post-race talk, especially with you know, a very limited, uh, I would assume coverage from the track. Um, after these races, we will have some access, um, to, you would think teleconferences or something like that with the drivers. Obviously NASCAR is not going to have any, uh, physical interaction, uh, one-on-one interviews or something like that with drivers and us media members for, for quite some time. So everything would, you know, be done virtually, but we can still tell you what people, um, said publicly or, um, what, what people are saying privately via text or, or whatever behind the scenes. So, um, we'll just let us know about that. Let us know what you're up for listening. We'll we'll just keep planning to go for now. Uh, after, after each race, um, check on the teardown on your podcast feed or on the, on the athletic to hear them. Um, it's crazy, man. It's crazy, Jordan, that, that here we go. Like, it's it's time i mean it's uh we're we're luckier than a lot of the other uh sports that it's only been a a two-month layoff for us and um we're, we're gonna have something to talk about some real live competition next week right here on the teardowns i'm pumped i'm excited i'm looking forward to it and this is uncharted waters and i'm excited to see how this unfolds and the fact that we're gonna have wednesday night racing we're gonna have races at a track back to back you know we're gonna have a cup race on sunday at darlington followed by a cup race on wednesday at darlington that's not something that we we've seen in the modern era of nascar i'm very curious how this plays out i think it's going to be fascinating to watch i think there's going to be some obviously there's going to be some bumps along the way but like you, I'm excited. I'm, I'm glad we're going to be back. I'm glad NASCAR's back, and I'm glad we get to cover it because I think this is going to be a fascinating time for the industry. Any sort of sadness that these extra Darlington races and Charlotte races uh, have resulted in the loss of uh, Chicagoland, wiped off the schedule for this year, Sonoma gone from the schedule, and one of the Richmond races gone. Um, you, you feel bummed about that? or uh, you know, Mixed you, bag. Yeah? 
Uh, I mean, obviously, Sonoma's great. I mean, I love road course racing. I think it's phenomenal. Same with short tracks. And I, I think Richmond's a great racetrack for NASCAR. Um, and we don't have enough short tracks. I think we can all agree on that. We don't have enough road courses. So to lose two of those, yeah, I'm, I'm bummed by that. Chicago, I'm sorry. You can. It, it, it's a racetrack that does not a lot for me. I know it's been better over the last few years. We've seen some good racing there. But it's a mile and a half racetrack. We've got enough of those. You know, I would like to see, you know, hopefully along the way we can see another road course added this year. It probably is not going to happen just because, you know, the NASCAR's plan is to kind of follow the regular schedule the rest of the way after you get through this, you know, Darlington Charlotte loop and start returning to tracks at, you know, lost dates. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I would like to see a different track lose a date, um, but it is what it is. And I think at the end of the day, NASCAR's done a really good job of making the best out of a bad situation. Obviously, you know, there's there's things you can look at and say, ah, I probably would have done this better. But I think overall they've done a darn good job. And I think considering the, 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 the circumstances they're dealing with in the box they're kind of in, the fact that they're able to do races at Darlington and Charlotte and kind of the southeast corridor, kudos to them for making this work because it's certainly not easy. Yeah, I mean, I think I went to Chicago, um, I don't know, the last time I went there, maybe a couple years ago. But honestly, I kind of try to avoid that one. Uh, that's one that on my schedule. I'm just not super. Uh, it's not an super, easy race to get to. Well, I just, you know, you talk about skippable races. It's just a mile, another yeah. mile and a half in the middle of the summer. Once they moved off the playoffs, for sure, yeah. I was just like, ah, I don't think I, I don't, I don't really think I need to go to this um, as much. So, um, I'm not too bummed about that one, to be honest with you. Apologies to the Chicago area fans or the fans who love going to that track that's their home track and you know, people are like hey that's not cool but i'm just i'm not super bummed sonoma hurts man oh gosh i love sonoma so much um you know i, I love the people that work there i, I love you, you know just the atmosphere the the time of year that we would all go there uh oh there's just that's just my favorite trip of the year so to not be going there all this year i think i've probably been there i mean at least I'd probably have been there 13 year, 14 years in a row, maybe 15 years in a row, something like that. I mean, I was mm -hmm. going to the Sonoma races, uh, you know, before I even was full time on the beat. Cause I was living in Southern California, my last job before I got on the beat. So yeah, I, I, that one hurts. That one, I'm really bummed about Sonoma. Um, Richmond, you know, I, it just, it, I, I hate to lose a short track, but Richmond hasn't really raced as much as like a short track recently. Sure. Um, I do think it would have been better with the new rules package or the revised rules package this year for short tracks. Um, but, you know, it just, you, you know, if you're going to lose one of the short tracks, um, I'd rather see a, a Richmond go than a Bristol or Mar Martinsville, no offense. Um, but I still love Richmond. I mean, I, I still like going there. I would have liked to go there, but I mean, it's just... Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But um, and the nice the nice thing about Richmond though is it does have a date still this year. You can't say that about yes, Chicago or Sonoma. Yes. Where right, Richmond right. still is going, and that date is in, in the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the if there's an upside to this, at least NASCAR is still going to visit Richmond this year, and it's not losing it entirely. Right, right. Yep. Well, uh, I guess we'll sign off for now and leave you with the fact that the next time we talk to you, I mean, barring some something terribly uh, going wrong. <laughs> Uh, between now and then we're, we're going to be talking about racing, real racing that just happened. I, again, hard to believe a little bit worried about it, but that will be next time you, you hear me say 
all right, everybody, at least on, on this teardown podcast and on the 12 questions. But uh, yeah, so here we go. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you next week after the Darlington race right here on the teardown.